All right, all right. Let's go back to our seat, guys. Good morning, New Life Church. Everybody good? Everybody alive and well? Or at least you're alive. Some may not be well, but uh, we pray for you to be well in the name of the Lord. Well, listen, let me invite you to open the Word of God this morning, too. We're going to be two places. First, Numbers, the book of Numbers, Old Testament. Believe it or not, it actually has a story to it than just numbers, okay? It is full of numbers, but we're going to be in actually chapter 21, Numbers 21, and then also New Testament, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Numbers 21 and then 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and if you don't have your Bibles on you or your smartphones aren't working fast enough, uh, then you can look at the screen as well. So we're going to look at these two things today. I'm going to read, and then uh, we'll pray, and then I'll talk to you, tell you what we're going to talk about today. All right. Actually, goes along with where we've already been in worship. All right, let's look at this. Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. It says, Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey. And they began to speak against God and Moses, saying, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There is nothing to eat here, and there's nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. Sounds like my house sometimes with our kids. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten, and they died. Then the people came to Moses and they cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Verse 8, Then the Lord told him, Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole, and all who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole, and then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and they would be healed. Let's look over New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 1, it's the Apostle Paul writing. He says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago, all of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on the dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Jump down to verse 9. Nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did, speaking of Israel, and then died from snake bites. Same story. And don't grumble as some of them did, and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. 
verse 12. If you think you are standing strong, then be careful not to fall. In other words, if you think you're doing all right, just make sure you stay doing all right. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. Can you say that this morning? God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. That's that one verse where a lot of people get it all mixed up. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, there's a lot of words in this book, over 31,000 verses, plenty of solid truth for us to hang our hat on. And today, we just really want to hear what you have to say to us for today, in this hour of our life, in this season of living. Help us to hear what you want us to hear. Help us to get what we need to get. And God, wherever our lives might be off pace, out of sync with you, pull us back in. Draw us back over. Set us back right. May that be in our hearts today. To just move forward in the rhythm of your grace, I pray. In Jesus' name. Everybody that wants that can say amen. Amen. All right. Background to this story happened a long time ago before any of us were around, except for maybe one old guy down here in the front. <laughs> but this, this story happens after the children of Israel are out of Egypt, out of God delivering them from slavery under Egypt's domain. Again, a type of shadow of, of being of us being delivered out of our sin and darkness and Jesus being our rescuer. And so that happened. God had already, they had already been delivered from the Red Sea. That miracle had already taken place. So a lot has already transpired so far. It was a long time after, years later after they had been delivered, Red Sea miracle, and they were still pursuing the promised land. They still hadn't got there yet. They won't get there until Joshua's uh, leadership, the way God set that up. But, um, so they were still pursuing the promised land, and, but at this particular time, God had just given them victory over an enemy, the Canaanites. And they had just tasted what victory was like. They had just buried Aaron, Moses's assistant, his, his, his priest, it was the priest, Moses, uh, Aaron was the priest, he had just died and he was buried, and there was a transfer of priestly leadership from Aaron to his son Eleazar, and, 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 and then the Canaanites are still around, biting at them, nipping at them, still oppressing them, and God gives them complete and total victory there. And here they find themselves as, as God begins to then say, okay, it's time, you've had all of these things have been happening. You just, you just saw my strong right hand in favor of you. You experienced a, a, a time of victory where I blessed you and allowed you to overcome something in your life. 
And here they are, they find themselves here where it says that God was going to lead them forward. And they were in a spot in life where they had forgotten already. They had forgotten what God had done. They had forgotten what, what just happened with the, with the victory over the Canaanites. Today I want to talk to you about remember the cross. Remember the cross. That's something we can never forget, something we should never forget, and not just the cross, but the significance of the cross. We put it in our, it's in our logo. I'll show you a picture of one here in a little bit. But remembering. Today's the day about remembering in our own country with 9-11. In case you forgot. I'll say that in a sliding way. For we do get busy. Things do happen. And a lot of more things have happened in just the last few years in our own, in our own nation. It's, it's not been very good for people. But this is a day 15 years ago you know the story. I think it would just be an honorable thing as Americans if we could just take a moment and bow our head and close our eyes and just pause. Thanking God for freedom. Don't ever take that for granted. Why do you think people hate our country so much? Because we're free. Why do you think people don't like Jesus so much? Because he sets people free. And they don't have to do a darn thing to get it except say yes, yes. Makes no sense, right? Makes sense to us. It doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. But that's God so loved the world that he gave Jesus to bring liberty to our lives. So let's bow our heads in silence. Silence is hard to do sometimes because of, as my wife put it earlier, the hustle and the bustle of things that happen. I know we, there are things that we have to do, and there's demands and expectations on our life, but Jesus told us, remember me often. And we're going to come to that table that he talks about here in a moment, a day to remember. Please remember, heard it on the video, the promo video earlier. The lady said, God wants to help us to be what he wants us to be. He does. Friend, he does. Brother, he does. Sister, he does. Church, he does. He wants to help you and I be who he wants us to be, who he has called us to be, who we are destined to be. So if you were able to be a participator on our Wednesday night evening Bible study. Those two are available this season of our church calendar. Avail yourself to it. Avail yourself to it. And don't forget to sign up there at our Connect table where we can just make sure we know that you're coming and we can be ready for you. God wants us to 
remember. The children of Israel forgot. I mean, they had a habit of forgetting. Come on, that's not a secret. They had a habit of forgetting. And so, this little scenario, this story, lets us have some light about what was going on. Verse 4, it said that they, they they were getting ready to leave and God was leading them around the land of Edom. God has a process for His purpose in your life. And I know we don't always get that sometimes because we're so asphyxiated with what is happening that we can't see the bigger picture of the process and what God's purpose is through it. But God had a purpose here in this process. He had a purpose for leading them around by the Red Sea, through the dry ground on the Red Sea, and He had a purpose for leading them around the land of Edom. But it said that the, the peoples, that, that this translation said that they became impatient because of the long journey. Other translation will say it this way, their souls were discouraged because of the course of life. You see, if we don't understand what God wants to do in process of, of our journey, then we're gonna, we will never truly live up to and live into the fullness of the purpose that he has for our life. In Deuteronomy 8, the, Moses had written and reminded the people that the Lord brought you through the wilderness because he wanted to test you. He wanted to see what was in your heart. And he wanted to see whether or not you really would follow his commandments. And that is why you and I will go through different seasons of wilderness, through process. Things have a process to them. And if you shortchange and try to bypass the process of God, then you will shortchange and your, your purpose, and your, your purpose will actually be, be limited. You will not truly, thoroughly walk it out and live it out the way God wants you to because what, what process does, it tests our heart, it tests our character, and it proves to God and to us whether or not we are actually able, capable of actually walking in a sustaining way in the purpose that God has for our life. You can, you can attach anything to that, natural things in life from, from one grade thing to another grade level, from being from just dating to being married, from giving an allowance to actually earning a paycheck and how you know and doing the responsibilities that come along with all those things. See, those are processes. And God uses process to test what's in our heart, to see whether or not we will actually follow His commands, to walk in His ways. Everybody with me so far? And so, but the course of life, it said that the course of life caused their hearts, their souls to become discouraged. The thing about that is, along the journey of life, our soul will get discouraged. It's going to happen at some place. For some, we've been there. For some, today, you are there. And for some, you will find yourself there. But what do we do with it when we find ourselves there? How do we handle it? How do we respond when we find our souls in a place of discouragement? How do we handle it? Well, this story shows us what not to do. This story tells us what we are not to do. You know, and, and a lot of things can cause our, our souls to get discouraged in life. 
a lot because it's a journey. It says the course of life. You know, the course of life takes us all in many different directions across different terrains, right? And so we have choices to make when we go through the courses of life. And there are things that, that we don't like. There will th be things that happen to us that we don't like. There will be injustices that happen to us, things that happen around us to other people, uh, and different things, directly or indirectly, however that affects us, but that we're going to go through some stuff. We're going to see some things that we don't like, that we don't agree with. We're going to encounter situations and experiences that we just that just get the best of us. They whip us. They they tag us, man. They leave that mark on us. And it's like, dang it, I did not do well with that. But with God, there is other opportunities to do well with it at another time. It's just the fact that you weren't ready. Ill-equipped, ill-prepared, undisciplined. Whatever it might be, whatever it chalks up to be, you just go. We go through stuff, and and things happen, and it causes our souls to get discouraged. But what do we do with it? Well, this story, again, teaches us what not to do. And again, and we read this earlier, First Corinthians ten eleven. He said these things happen to them, to the children of Israel, as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. So, everybody can say, that's me he's talking about. Everybody can say, that's me he's talking about. Whether you like it or not, that's us he's talking about. We're living at that moment in time. And he said, these things happen as examples. They were written down. So if they were examples for us, and they were written down to warn us, that means we should pay attention to it. Right? It means we should pay attention to it. And so, what happened here? What did these guys do? Well, they, they complained. They criticized. They questioned God and Moses, their, their leader. They, they did that. They expressed their disdain for everything they were going through. They said, why have you brought us out into this wilderness to die? We don't, I mean, there's nothing to eat, there's nothing to drink, and we hate that stinking manna. Right? I mean, I don't like what you prepared for us. I don't like, it's not hot enough. Oh, it's too hot. It's not cold enough. Uh, that, that, that water, man, it's not fresh enough. It doesn't have the alkaline minerals that I, my, my body needs. Right? Now, I like my coffee this way. I don't like it the way you made it. Right? No, that's not right. Take that back. Get on back in there and fix it again. I mean, the attitude, the gall that these people had. I mean, they all, I mean come on, they, God took them out of working 18-hour days, hard work, making brick for somebody else. God took them out of slavery. Again, a type and shadow of darkness without Jesus hard on sin is hard on our life disobeying God is hard on our life right God they were they were up against a, a rock and a hard place so to speak 
the, dry, the Red Sea before them. They're passed behind them, chasing them down. And God says, Moses, just do this, and I'll, I'll do this. And so what happened? God parted the Red Sea. They walked literally on dry ground across the Red Sea. And as they got across safely, their past chased them in. And God closed the Red Sea on top of their past, never again to come up. Now their focus was what lies ahead. I mean, come on, God has done some Red Sea miracles in our life. He's provided some things for us in a way that there was no answer. There was no explanation. He opened doors where, man, if you tried to open it, you would, you would give yourself a heart attack just trying to open the door. That's how hard shut it was. But when God opens a door, no man can close it. And you go through some situations and things right now in life, and, and it, can, it can wear on you. It can wear on you, and, it, and this is real, and our souls can get discouraged. But these guys, what did they do? They questioned, they criticized, they complained against God and Moses. They didn't like where they were. They didn't like what they were going through. They didn't like what had happened. They, they were not in favor of the surroundings. Things were not going the way they wanted them to go. They didn't want it that way. Sound familiar to any of us? Sometimes life is that way, the course of life. But how do we handle it? How do we deal with it? Well, their story teaches us what not to do. See, they had forgotten. And again, 1 Corinthians 10.1, we just read it. Paul says, I don't want you to forget about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. I think he's getting the point across. Don't forget what they did. Don't repeat what they did. Be different the way you go about it, right? David said in, in Psalm 103, God, may I never forget the benefits of knowing you in my life. But man, come on, let's face it, let's just be honest. Sometimes we forget, right? Sometimes we forget. You see, when we, when we forget, then our souls get discouraged. When we forget, our souls get discouraged. We, we lose focus. And then we're faced with the dilemma, how are we going to respond to this season that we're in? Because seasons like this test our hearts. I know it. I know some of us in here, we're like, that's not what I, I really need to hear today, but that's exactly what you need to hear today. Because seasons like this test our hearts. Because the truth behind the test is God wants you to pass. He wants you to pass and He wants you to graduate. He wants you to be promoted. He wants you to go on to the next level because it all has to do with your purpose that He has attached to your life with your name on it. No one else but your name on it. But if we remain to be determined to stay and continue in this season where, like these people did, where they criticized, they complained, they questioned. They didn't like it, and they expressed it, and it was not just once or twice. It wasn't like slip-up like that, that they just quickly apologized for. This was in their heart. And when something is in our heart, it needs the hand of God to get it out. And so what happened? Well... God got their attention, right? He got their attention. And let me just say, God has a way of getting 
our attention. He loosed these poisonous snakes and it started biting people and people started dying. And when things like that happen, usually we have this reaction that they did, God, God or through they, them through Moses, us now directly to God, take our problem away. I'm sorry. We acknowledge, we, we complain, we acknowledge, we criticize and didn't respond the right way. So God, please, just go ahead and take my problem away. So what did Moses do? He prayed. What do we do? We pray. We acknowledge, hey, I fell short, God. I acknowledge this is an issue in my heart I need help with. But here's the thing. God didn't take their problem away. Sometimes, most of the time, God does not remove our problem. What he does is he provides a solution for us to get through our problem. We, obviously, all of us would opt for option A, take the problem away. In their case, take these fiery serpents away from us. I don't like it. It's not, it's not good. Not going to be good. It is not good. <laughs> we want our problems to t be taken away, right? That's the easy route, right? Come on, let's, that's the easy route. Now, I'm not a champion of the cause of let's all have problems. Woo, no, I don't like problems. I don't want to have to go through stuff. Man, but we do. We will. It's inevitable. We're going to go through it. And they're going to test us. And they're going to challenge us. And our prayer is, is, like theirs is God take the problem away. But his answer is the solution to actually get us through the problem. Because if we will actually accept his solution, it will strengthen our character. I don't know about you, but I think I would say all of us really do want some strong character. Godly character. Godly integrity. Amen? The kind that, that's strong, the kind that has resolve, the kind that's faithful when everybody else is unfaithful, the kind that's generous when the world is stingy, right? The kind that says, I will do what God says to do even when everybody around me is saying, I'm going to do it the opposite. Now, I know that, that's, that has different pressures to it at different levels of our life, but none the same. The principle remains the same, right? And so they said, take our problem away. What did he do? God, instead of removing the problem, he provided a solution. What did he do? He told Moses, take, make a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, put it up high, and then when anybody is bitten, all they have to do, if they will just turn and look to that bronze serpent on a pole, they will be healed. They will live. If you'll just remember to look, it'll save your life. This is a type and shadow of the cross of Jesus Christ. What does it say in John chapter 3? It's on the screen. John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Now listen, if I said John 3, 16, boom, our ears pop up, right? Our ears perk up. Ooh, John 3, 16, I know that. But this is right before that. Look, as Moses, Jesus said this, as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man himself be lift, must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So this 
serpent on a pole, this bronze serpent on a pole was a type and shadow of the cross of Jesus Christ that God said, I'm not removing the problem, you're still going to have to deal with the problem, but you'll be saved if you do it the right way. If you will look to the pole, if you will look to the serpent, you will live. And Jesus translates that to for us today. He is the one that hung on the cross. If you will remember the cross, you will have life. Now this message isn't a salvation message just in and of itself. No one's saved here. I want you to be saved. Yes, that's the truth, but that is not just what this is about. These people were already delivered. These people were already walking towards the promised land. Come on. These people were already saying yes and amen in church and getting their tithe out and their praise on and serving everywhere and doing what... what but they had, a, they, had a, they had some issues in their hearts in the course of life. They got discouraged in their souls. They tasted some things they didn't like. They experienced some things that they didn't appreciate, that they just didn't gel with them. And so it caused them to have the poison of discouragement in their souls. And friend, it's no, it's no fun going through life discouraged. And especially it's no fun going through life when we blame our discouragement on other people. When we say, it's your fault that I went through this. It's your fault that I'm going through this. It's their fault that I'm this way. It's their fault that I'm having to deal with it this way or whatever it might be. It's always somebody else's fault but our own. And friend, if you haven't caught on to that yet, if you continue to do that and continue to live that way and, 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 and tell others that it's their fault or their fault for your own discouragement, you're going to stay discouraged for the rest of your life. And so God doesn't necessarily get rid of the people in our life the problems in our life. But what he does is he provides a solution in our life. And he said, if you will just remember the cross, the significance of it, if you will acknowledge your sin and you will look to me, God, if you will look to me, Jesus, and put your total trust and total dependency upon me and in me, then here's what I do, Jesus says. I will remove the poison of discouragement from your soul. You will no longer have to continue to live that way. So at any time you go through the course of life, when you're 12, when you're 25, when you're 65, when you're 85, when you're in high school, when you're in college, when you're uh, in your career just starting out, when you're at the end of your career retiring or whatever it is, he's, there's the course of life and our souls will get discouraged at times. What will you do? Will you go back and rehearse all the problems that happened? Well, man, I would have been further along if they would have just taken note of me. I would have had my shot if they would have just accepted me. If, man, if, if, if those people wouldn't have talked me into doing something bad, then I wouldn't be in the position I'm in right now. But let me just tell you, remind you, it ain't everybody else's fault, if I can use bad grammar. See, that is the problem with the age that we live in. Everybody is so good. Is that semi-okay? Semi-okay to the ear? Everybody's so good at blaming other people. 
that we don't fully, fully take responsibility. Let me tell you, it stinks when a person has to take full responsibility for something, even when it's not fully their fault. I have to recall, what was that, John 3, 14 and 15? Back to John 3, 14 and 15. Moses lifted up the snake. The Son of Man must be lifted up. Verse 15. So that everyone who believes in him would have eternal life. Jesus, I think, took the fault when it wasn't his fault. But you see what happens when people of Christ accept responsibility. It provides life. Freedom. Giving others another chance to just get it right. Even when they might have got it wrong the first time. Or even maybe they didn't. You just don't know all the ins and outs of it. And that happens a lot too. I think that's called assumption or presumption. Anybody with me right now? You see, goodwill, good intentions just sheer self-control of our life is just not enough. Because any decent, moral, good-hearted person could, can muster enough goodwill, good intention, and self-control through their life to be all right. But what we need is a good Savior who already has died on the cross, who already paved the way, paid the price, and what he offers is real, true, abundant life. You see, along the course of life, there are going to be things that you and I, we don't like, we don't agree with, that we hate, that we have disdain for, that we don't appreciate, that, that, that it's not our cup of tea, it's, it's not our thing, and, and the way you do it, it's not the way I do it, your personality conflicts with mine, I ain't going to hang out with you. You know, all these different things go on in life. But, and so that's the course of life. But how, how are we going to deal with it? How do we deal with it? We can either live with our souls discouraged or we can live full of life that Jesus gives. Because, you know, it is possible to be around certain people, to be in situations have certain experiences in the course of life and not be bitter about it. And friend, that is what the Lord is wanting to give. It's one of the many things he wants us to give because a bitter soul mm, a bitter soul just a bad spot that turns into a bad place, that turns into a bad decade, that turns into a bad life. Don't live bitter. Don't live discouraged. What's the remedy? What's the solution? Trusting Jesus more than you trust yourself and more than you trust other people. Trust Jesus. Because he knows what he's doing. Remember, 
the significance of the cross. Here's the thing. Let's show a picture of this cross. love the cross. I love what it stands for. I love its significance. Rugged. Splintery. Raw. Heavy. Bloody. It's vertical and both horizontal. It's vertical, meaning it's long enough to reach us wide enough to see us. If I could just put it in the most simplest terms about the cross. Long enough to reach you where you're at in your life right now. Where you've been but you've allowed the past to still stick with you in a bad way. Long enough to reach you. It's wide enough. Some of you have tried to run. Some of you have tried to hide. Some of you have tried to escape God's purpose for your life. And no matter what you do, God still chases you down and finds you. And you know what? He's not out of breath. He's in shape. He is healthy. He is stout. He is strong. The cross is long enough to reach you and the cross, friend, is wide enough to keep you. But it's not enough to just know that the cross exists. No, it requires a turning towards it. It requires us acknowledging God, I'm far from perfect. I seem to be trapped in a the treadmill of, of life. I, I'm moving, but I'm not going anywhere. And no matter what I do, I can't seem to get beyond where I'm at. I keep having the same hang-ups. I keep having the same habits. If you're real, there's got to be a way out. And he says, I am real, and there is a way out, and there is a way through. But he says about himself, I am faithful. And when you are tempted, I will show you a way out so that you can endure. Friend, that way out is remembering the cross and what it means. But you got to turn to it. Nobody can make you. Nobody can force you. Nobody can do anything to make you do it, but God will use whatever means to get our attention and say, how long are you going to stay in this round about path of life when you keep repeating the same stuff dealing with the same old things says child I've got a better way turn and look to me turn and look to me 
And so that's what Jesus did with these elements. That's what he did with the bread. And that's what he did with the wine, juice this morning. Sorry to sadden some of you. But in essence, this is what he told them that night, his disciples. And it still speaks to us today. He said, this is my body, the bread, which is broken for you. I won't put it back. This will be my This is my body, which is broken for you. Eat it. And as often as you eat it, remember me. This is my cup of the new covenant. See, they shared it back then. We don't do that today here. And you know, they shared the drink, the cup, pass it around. Uh, he said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant, which represents my blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of sins for many. As often as you drink from this cup, what? Remember me. Remember me. 1 Corinthians 10, the end of this uh, part that we've been reading. Put that on the screen, 16, 17, and 18. Paul says, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, and again, this is right in the mind, of the, the train of what he's been talking about already. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, and aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Think about the people of Israel. Here he is. Again, don't forget them. Weren't they united by eating the sacrifices at the altar? Jesus has prepared a table for us. His sacrifice, his body, his blood, the bread, the juice. And he says, in that, I bring you together. I make you one. You're unified together. Brother and sister in Christ. Different races. Different colors. Different people different professions, different purposes. But this is what unites you. And friend, in a day and time in our own nation, one nation under God, it's the church that should be demonstrating unity. Amen? It is the church that should be demonstrating unity. So today, we're going to end by coming to the table. And I always forget to do this, but I need to do this. I need to thank Dawn Carlton. She always prepares the communion table for us every week. And last month, she was preparing and leaving her house, and she tripped and fell and hurt herself pretty bad. 
the communion elements got here anyway. Maybe I'll just say something. Thank you, Don, for what you do to serve our church. And you've healed up okay. And the Lord would say to you, Don, there is a greater healing that he's doing in your heart. You haven't seen the full manifestation of it yet, but he says he wants you to know I'm working on you, not in a bad way, in a good way. That there is a depth of your soul that he says you've opened up to me. And now that you've opened it up to me, then I will have my way there. And I will help you. I will heal you. And I will make you whole. Just as you have naturally served this church, your spiritual family, spiritual food, the food from one loaf of bread and a cup signifying the blood of Christ, he says, I am serving you. So take heart this day, he says, for what I have begun, no man can mess that up. No memory can mess that up. I am perfect in my way. Be patient. Be patient, he says. Let's stand, church.